title of the message is Hope in the Midst of Chaos. According to a Pew Research poll that is dated May the 12th of this year, found that 7 in 10 Americans view inflation as a very big problem. That's a big newsflash for all y'all, right? Newsflash, inflation is a big problem. Many believe that we are in the midst of, or will soon will be, in an economic recession. Another poll by the Financial Times and the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business, this poll was taken July of this year, July 21st, 70% of the 48 economics, economicus, I can't say that word, economics, <laughs> it's bad when it's alive too, uh, that were polled stated that they thought we will be in or will be in and or declare a recession by next year. Probably nothing new that we haven't thought about. Furthermore, furthermore, more declare what is moral decay is evident throughout our country. You can see it on the news every time you watch it. What causes it to happen? Basically, when people are unable to recognize the good from the bad, when the line between good and bad gets blurry, or when the bad becomes the new normal, acts of lewdness, violence, and murder far outnumber the acts of kindness, understanding, and consideration. And you're probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with our text this morning? Very simply. Many people are negative, pessimistic about the future. Many articles, you can find them on the internet, are written about climate change and financial trouble. Many fear that global war and famine and disease will soon begin, if not already have started. What I'm trying to paint is a sense of hopelessness. It's hard throughout the week to be optimistic when we are constantly bombarded with negative after negative after negative after negative messages from all sorts of media. TV, the radio, newspaper, print, everywhere you go, it seems like they almost take glory in declaring how bad things are. Now, as hard as I try... I want you to get a glimpse and feel that hopelessness because when we ended last week at the end of chapter 6, you kind of see that hopelessness take root in the last part of chapter 6. Revelation 6, verses 16 and 17, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? They had a sense of hopelessness. We can't run. I might as well just let these mountains and rocks kill me. Sense of hopelessness. And by the way, I would challenge you this week, if you have internet access, to Google or Yahoo, whoever you use, to look at the belief in God in the United States, how that has continued to trend downward every year. And when there's no belief in God, or a higher being, whatever you want to call that, then something else takes its place. 
That's how hopelessness and negativity starts to replace a lot of things in our lives. Because without God and without his son, what kind of hope do we really have? We don't. And when we put our faith and trust into the government, into the world systems, what happens? They fail us because they're human beings just like you and I. Now, chapter 7 is the first of several interludes throughout the book. It gives you and I hope in the midst of chaos. I'm not trying to say this text is chaos. God is the one orchestrating this whole thing. But when things seem hopeless and chaotic, you and I can have hope. I'm not talking about the wishy type of hope that you wish that it rains tomorrow. By the way, can I implore you, please pray for rain, specifically in Bellevue. I'm just asking for some intercessory prayer. And the way this text gives us hope, it reveals to you and I who is able to stand. In fact, it answers that very question at the end of chapter 6. Look what it says in verse 1. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now some will say, aha, the Bible has error and its mistakes is not inherent because we all know there's not four corners of the earth. The earth is round. However, it's, it's the expression that we use today. We may not say the four corners of the earth, but we will say the rising and the setting of the sun. Now we know the sun does not rise and set. The earth is spinning on its, on its axis and making day and night. But we use those. It's no more than a figure of speech. But more importantly, not where they're standing out, what are they doing? Look back in verse 1. Holding back or restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind would, or some translations could, blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Now it's common in apocalyptic literature, and it's even common for you and I. Who controls the weather? God. Weathermen try to predict the weather, but who has control of it? The best way about talking the weather is we've learned all these different systems of what happens. It's like an alarm clock that God has round up and put in motion. It goes by itself, but at any given time, God can step in and change it as he wills. We see that evidence in the Bible, throughout the Bible. Causes storms, causes sea to split, and all sorts of things. But that's common. But in this particular case, it stresses ongoing action that's happening here. He's controlling the weather, but these angels are standing firm and restraining the winds from their destructive purpose until God's appointed time. See, the winds would devastate the people by affecting the land and the sea. And Old Testament writers use this as a metaphor for divine punishment. For example, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 36. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm going to plead your case and exact full vengeance for you, and I will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry. So God can step in and cause things to happen. But this has a word of caution as we walk through this. Don't blame God for every little thing that happens. Some things just run its course. And there's things that we do that can cause things to happen as well. But we do need to pray for rain. We do need to ask God 
to provide. And God is a good provider, is he not? He's taking care of his creation in spite of what we try to do with it. Think about that for a second. That whole another sermon itself. But let's, let's move on. And in verse 2 he says, I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. Where does the sun rise? What direction? The east. Hmm. And with that, some will take this description as a symbol of divine blessing. I'll just give you three examples. The place of paradise, Genesis 2.8. The Lord God planted a garden toward the what? The east, Eden. And then the text says, there he placed man that he created. It's where the glory of the Lord enters. Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 4. The glory to the Lord came into the house by way of the gate facing toward the east. And even an indirect reference to the nativity scene in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Judea and the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Kind of interesting point that, isn't it? Now, it's not an inappropriate emphasis because one of the greatest blessings that God's going to do for his people is about to happen in verse last part of verse 2 and into verse 3. Look back at verse 2. Having the seal of the living God, and then he, he rose from the, the east, having the seal of the living God, he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it granted It was granted to harm the earth and the sea, verse 3, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And can I say right out front, I'm going to make a qualification in my message. There is a lot of ink spilt to this last part about the 144,000. May I implore you, if you're still interested, actually I would encourage you to do that. Go look at the other things. But I'm going to boil it down to these two different things that I came across that I think really sums it up. But before we get there, we see that Yahweh, the Lord, the only living God, He alone is able to impart life to others, and He's about to intervene on behalf of His people. What does the angel have? He has the seal of the what? Living God reminds me of a signet ring that the kings would have back in those days. And it, had, it was a ring they wore, and it had a place on front where they could seal stuff. They put wax on a document, and he would do this, and it would seal it. The seals were used to authenticate documents. These rings were used by kings and officials from those in authority. In the ancient world, when you saw that seal, it meant also ownership protection, and privilege. Let me repeat that again. It also meant ownership, protection, and privilege. Now we see the sending of God's servants also back in Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 4 through, 4 through 5. The Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. But to the others, he said in my hearing, go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. We see the same thing happening back 
in Ezekiel, this sealing. And some people talk about being physical, which is more spiritual, but I'm going for what the text says. Apparently, they got some type of mark on the head. It could be an Who knows what it was? But it was the seal of the living God. Now, that seal that he's talking about is not only visible and physical, but I remember reading in the New Testament something about us being sealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. The temple of the Holy Spirit, my body does not belong to me anymore. It belongs to who? To God, because I've been bought with the price. Specifically, the crucifixion of his son, Jesus Christ. We have this Holy Spirit. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22, says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us, is God who sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So when you became a believer of Christ, in that moment you received the Holy Spirit, which is given as a pledge or a seal. So you have that seal. You don't see it in your forehead, but you are now sealed with God's seal. You understand. We're asking who can survive in the last part of Revelation chapter 6. We found out. Apparently, these who are receiving the seal of the living God are going to be protected from something. And now we're finding out that as believers, we have that same seal. Maybe not physically on our foreheads, but we are sealed by God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I'm trying very hard not to chase a rabbit here. But we as Baptists believe in the security of the believer because at the time of conversion, you are justified in the eyes of God. The blood of Christ covers your sin, and now you receive him as a pledge, knowing that you are sealed. In that moment, you become a son or a daughter of the living God. Now let that sink in real good. Why do we walk around? No. No matter what's going on around us, we have the seal of the living God. And by the way, a word of warning, warning, there is no neutrality here. Either you're a follower of and owned by God, or you're a follower of or owned by Satan. Take your pick. There's no middle of the road. I had to use this illustration again. One of my favorite illustrations comes from the Karate Kid, the, the original one, came out in the 80s. Miyagi talking to Daniel's son. He said, you walk the left side of the road, you're okay. Walk to the right side of the road, you're okay. But walk down the middle of the road, squish, just like grape. You cannot ride the fence. And can I make you ask a question? Is that why we see so many problems within our churches, let me be more specific, within the Southern Baptist denomination is because we have forgotten that we are children of God, that we do not belong to ourselves, we belong to him. Have we lost that? Need to regain it. In verse 4, in this particular case, John says, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons or children of Israel. He tells us who are sealed. Now, this is where a lot of ink is spilt on this question. Who are these 144,000? Who can we identify as part of this 144,000? 
And it comes down to two major things, or a major debate is between, is it Israel, or is it referring to the church? That Paul was talk about the true Israel. And this group, verse, in this group, is this group we see here in the group that we find later in verses 9 and following, because verse 9 and following, you will see John says, I saw a great multitude that could not be counted from every nation, tribe, tongue. So that's where this argument comes from. Some will say Israel is always used as a reference to the Jewish people in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And the emphasis on every tribe could hardly be spiritualized to mean the church. So they would say this favors a literal understanding of referring to the Jewish people. And there's no other place where the Jewish believers are mentioned apart from the Gentiles in the book. If you go back to excuse me, if you go forward to Revelation chapter 21, verses 12 through 14, you will see it describes the names of the 12 tribes are on the gates of the New Jerusalem. The name of the 12 apostles are on the foundation of the New Jerusalem. And this signifies the unity of the Old and New Testament people of God in New Jerusalem. So you don't see anywhere else that the Jews are mentioned specifically away from Gentile believers. Did you catch what I said about verse 9 and following? There are people there from what? Every nation. Every tongue. That means there's going to be a lot of diversity in heaven. There's going to be people there from all around the world. Kind of makes you wonder what's wrong with the church. How can we not reflect that diversity? Just something to think about. Some people say, on the other side, well, the list of tribes is different when compared when you look at the list of the tribes of the places of the Bible. Judah is listed first rather than Reuben, who was Jacob's oldest son. The tribe of Dan is omitted. Well, that's possible due to an earlier connection with idolatry back in the Old Testament. Levi is listed, although it's omitted in other lists. Well, Levi was the priest, and now... Who's the priest in the New Testament? We have one high priest in moderate, which is Jesus Christ. We call it the priest of the very believer. You don't have to come to me and say, forgive me of my sins. But no, you go directly to God through the Son. And that means I, you can come to me and say, would you pray for me? And I can do that, and we can work through things together. But you don't have to come to me as a priest to receive forgiveness. You can go directly to God in his throne through Christ. And as, uh, I'm name, I just went blank. I'm sorry, Roger. <laughs> Look right at you. As Roger said earlier, we can boldly go. Now, that word boldly doesn't mean you come up with arrogance. It means you come with confidence that he's going to hear you and he's going to respond and speak to you. You ever talk to somebody, you could tell they're not listening to you? I'm the only one that happens to, I guess. They're looking away or they're going, yeah, you know. They say listening is a very hard thing to really do because listening means you have to listen. Don't be thinking about what you're going to say after they get done, but you need to be listening and saying. In fact, in marital counseling, they'll tell you, when your wife says something to you, this is going to come back to bite me, I know it is. When Tammy's talking to me, I need to repeat back. Did you say 
blah, 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 and she could say yes or no. Don't give me that look. <laughs> but you can go directly to him. Joseph is included in his son Manasseh, but not Ephraim. The number of 12 is a number of completeness. Squaring 12 and multiplied by 1,000 is a symbol of completeness. Due to the divided kingdom, they would say, people now would not know exactly what tribe they would belong to. That's because of the divided kingdom and the diaspora and so on. Some Jews now are not even clear what tribe they actually come from. They would argue that some tribes have ceased to exist, so on and so forth. This is where I fall. I take the text at face value that 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes are sealed during the tribulation. I don't know why exactly we have that information, but I do know they're not saved or sealed specifically for the purpose of protecting their lives. The focus is on their salvation that results in protecting them for what is coming, the plagues that follow in chapter 8, the following, that come from the sounding of the trumpets. It's there. The 144,000. Don't let somebody trick you and say, see, there is only 144,000 going to have. No. Look at verse 9 and following. Once again, there's a great multitude that could not be counted. So apparently there are people who are going to be saved during the tribulation. But it's all fairness to you. I don't want to be here for the tribulation, to be honest with you. It's a lot of bad stuff going down. But a God in his mercy and his grace and his divine purpose still does it. I can't tell you why because you know what? <laughs> After all the study I do day in and day out and going to one of the better seminaries is this. I've come to two conclusions. Number one, there is a God, and number two, I'm not him. What he decides to do, he can do because he is God. But I think we go back full circle and look at this text and simply, I believe God is answering the question, who is able to survive or to stand? It's the people of God who are sealed and equipped by him. And that includes you and I, if we're born again, if we came to Christ, gave our lives to Christ. The opinions in the polls that I mentioned in the beginning are probably right. The next generation of Americans will face a more difficult time. We could be an economic recession. A lot of bad things could happen, but whoever is commits their lives to Jesus Christ, the good news is they're able to stand no matter what the circumstances are or the situation may be because God knows them he protects and equips them, not only in temporal matters, but also for all eternity. I know it's difficult when you watch the news and how bad things are, but if you're a born-again believer, give your life to Christ, there will be times we're going to suffer. Jesus told us that. But dearly beloved, this world is not our home we're just passing through. And one day, the great and terrible day of the Lord, everything that we've read about, studied about, put our faith in, our faith now will become our sight, and we'll see all of this. Oh, what a sight to behold. Can you imagine seeing Jesus in all his glory and his majesty? As he truly is. 
Can you imagine being united with all your loved ones who have gone on before you? The heroes of the faith that we've read about. And sin being totally eradicated. Nowhere to be found. And we're there for one purpose. (laughs) To worship God for all eternity and getting to know him more and more and more. The way it was meant to be in the beginning. Uninterrupted fellowship with our Lord and our Creator. So I want with this text be an encouragement to you this morning. Do not give up. Keep pressing on. It's going to get bad. And yes, it will get worse. But we have hope in the midst of the chaos we see around us because we have Jesus Christ. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have tribulation, but, behold, but take note, I have overcome the world. I'm going to leave you with this last passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Paul is having this great right, you know, like these run-on sentences at the end. I can see him almost getting up and shouting this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no height, no depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. If you die, you're still in the love of God. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. And nothing can take your salvation away from you. Paid in full. Like the old hymn says, he took my sins and nailed them to the cross, not in part but the whole, and I bear him no more. So my question to you, like it is every Sunday, do you know him? Have you given your life to him? Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? And if you have done that, are you walking accordingly? That you are not your own. That your life does not even belong to you. Your body doesn't even belong to you. It belongs to him because you've been purchased with such a precious price. The life, the blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. You realize that God loved you so much. He had every right to cast me into hell. And to leave me there for all eternity. But he looked down and had so much love to me. He said, no. I'm going to send my son. And he will willingly lay down his life. Can you even wrap your mind around that type of love that we call agape? Full, unconditional love. If you've never done that, then I invite you to do that in just a moment. Give me life to him. If there's something between you and God. Like I said when I started this series, I'm not a prophet. I don't know when all this is going to happen. But I assure you of one thing. We're closer to it now than we were just five minutes ago. Why not take this a little bit of time to make sure? Make sure you're in a right standing with God. Didn't spend all eternity wishing that you had. Now, I don't know this. To, this is just Tim's opinion. When people stand before the great right throne judgment, 
And Jesus says, apart from you, if I never knew you. I wonder in that moment, every single time they had a chance to respond, will come back. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I'm just wondering. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anyone can stand up and say, I didn't know. And if you're concerned about people not knowing, perhaps that's God leading you to become a missionary. He's not going to tell you where he, where he wants to send you. He's just going to see you have enough faith to stand up and go, I'll serve you no matter where you call me. When I surrendered to be a, a pastor, God didn't tell me I'd be in Forestburg one day. He said, no, I want you to step forward. I want you to stand up so you will follow me no matter what. It hasn't been easy, I'll be honest with you. But he's always taking care of me. Always taking care of me. Not what I want, but what I need. One last thing. You've heard this many, many times. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. When are you going to let go of your pride? Say, I'm tired of doing this alone. Humble yourself and cry out to him. Tell him that you need him every single Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's our pledge that we indeed have your seal. And that nothing can separate us from your great love. Father, I implore you. I beg of you, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that's not sure about their salvation, this will be the, the hour in which they come seeking you. And Father, for those who have made that commitment, Father, I know you're always about calling us into a deeper relationship to you. And I know, Father, you still want to send missionaries. You still call pastors, preachers. You still call Sunday school leaders, youth workers, children workers. You still call people to do the work of the local body. So, Father, may your spirit continue to move. And may we respond and obedience to the call that you place in all of our lives. In Christ Jesus we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?